0: Ouija boards, seances, hypnotisms, and spells were all part of Sarah's growing up, her experience growing up. And at a young age, Sarah was introduced to witchcraft. None of our Sarahs. Sarah was introduced to witchcraft by her father. Isn't that a sad statement? He taught her two things. The occult was truth and Christianity was false. While Sarah's mother would occasionally take her to church, her dad re- dismissed church. He rejected it as a crutch for weak people. And instead, Sarah's father taught her that she had special powers and was calling her to follow in his footsteps in witchcraft. When she was 13, her father gave her a book of witchcraft. And initiated Sarah into the occult. And she practiced witchcraft all the way up through high school. And at first she, she, she said she would have tried to be what she called a white witch. I put that in quotes. There's no such thing as a good one. They claim to do no harm. But they don't understand. But as time went on, things turned dangerous. And at the end of her senior year, Sarah felt that the Spirit was telling her that in order for her to have a new life, she needed to end this one. She needed to commit suicide. And she tried. And we'll talk about her more later. But the occult, what is that? Is it just no big deal? It's the practice of seeking supernatural knowledge or power apart from God's way in Jesus. It's anything, anything, anything that involves dealing with the world of spirits or supernatural forces that are not oriented in Jesus and according to Revealed in the Bible as he's revealed in the Bible that are not according to his word. And it includes everything from blatant Satan worship to simple horoscopes. Contact with the dead, fortune telling, wearing charms. The Bible forbids all of these things. And here's the thing, cause them abominations. Things that revolt God, things that disgust God. When God said something is an abomination, it is to be avoided at all cost. And I'm simply going to present the word to you today. And I'm doing it because of the girl we meet in this text. And and you will have to make your list. I'm not making any lists for you. But we see what we see really in this encounter with Paul and the slave girl who is possessed. We see that is we see an encounter between Jesus and the occult. As we know, we're in the middle of the second missionary journey. Um, things are going well. Lydia has been converted. Uh, she is ho- hosting the, Paul and his associates now. They are going out to this place of prayer. They're witnessing. And, and we're not told a lot more between Lydia and this event. It probably wasn't a long time. But, but things are going well. And then this happens. And we'll see the encounter with the demon-possessed girl today. And we'll see that then they end up in jail. And and that's kind of how life goes, right? Things seem to be going along really well, and then something comes along. God is sovereign over it all. There's a jailer that God's going to reach with His gospel. And I'm not going to talk about that today. Corey's going to pick that up. But today we see Jesus versus the occult. We see Paul and the slave girl Who's possessed with the spirit of divination and it being cast out and the implications of that. But the main thing I want you to take away today is that the Christian is to be satisfied in Jesus. And reject the occult in all of its forms. The Christian is to be satisfied in Jesus and reject the occult in all of its forms. And I have a couple of points, we're we'll delving this, and then we'll, then we'll move on. But from this text today, you want to see two things, the first of which, the occult pretends to be helpful. It pretends to be helpful. Look, at, look back at verse 16. "As we were going to the place of prayer, there's always darkness resisting the truth going forth. And many times it presents itself as a helpful partner in such things. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain in fortune telling. She had a spirit of divination. This was an evil spirit that spoke through her to predict future events. And it seems accurately... I mean, her owners were making a lot of money off of her. And hers is a sad situation. Slave girl. Possessed. I mean, that all just sounds horrendous, right? And her owners don't care about her. They're just in it for the money. And that is all evil. Slavery is evil. The Bible teaches that slavery is evil. In case you're hearing anything different. Death penalty for anyone who would buy a a person and treat them as a slave and... Sell them. Probably different from what you hear in the culture, right? But she's a slave girl. She's possessed. She's being used by her owners. Used by the evil one. She's bringing much gain to her owners by predicting the future through the agency of an evil spirit. And listen, let me tell you something. I want you to listen to me. Not all fortune tellers are fake. There's a lot of tricks out there. There's a lot of manipulation out there. There's a lot of people that can sort of lead you around ever how they want to and make you think they're something. But there are also people out there who just like this girl are in association with evil spirits and producing things that sometimes seem to be good and helpful and are to some extent true but are always forbidden and are always dangerous I mean there's people in this room who have seen this firsthand and seen the reality of it firsthand and can tell you it's more than just fake stuff going on see this girl wasn't just a ventriloquist as some would say or whatever It was good at doing other voices. She was really captive to the evil one. She was really possessed by an evil spirit. And she was really at its beckoning and being used by it and used by her owners to tell, predict future events. That's a real thing. The evil one is real. Listen, if you don't believe that the evil one is real, that demons are real, you've already lost the battle. You've already lost. I mean, how can you believe in angels, the ones we like to talk about? Not By the way, an angel doesn't look like a fat baby on a cloud. They are scary when you see them up front and personal. But you can't have one without the other. They are unfallen holy angels and they are fallen unholy angels. And the thing about it is the fallen unholy angels try to masquerade as the good ones. The devil tries to masquerade as a messenger of light. That's his operandi, his modus operandi. Look at this in verse 17. Now, this is a spirit. This is a demon possessed girl. And it says in verse 17, uh, she's. Following Paul and us. Luke is part of that. You know, Paul and Silas and Timothy's around. He doesn't, you know, we'll talk. Corey can deal with that. But she's following us, she's dogging their steps. And it's interesting. Like, she doesn't say, Don't listen to these guys, they're not preaching the truth. These are wicked men, don't listen to them, don't follow them to the place of prayer. She doesn't do that. Look what she does. She it says she followed Paul and us ongoingly, crying out, "These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation." Is that true? It is true. I mean, see, the devil doesn't always do what we think he's going to do. And you would think if this woman was demon possessed, first she'd be in all black and, you know, and be saying, don't, she might be speaking in the voice of a man, don't listen to these men. Head spinning around. (laughs) No. For all practical purposes, if you're looking at it from the outside, you might be thinking, she's trying to help. This is not helpful. But she's trying to help. She is masquerading as helpful. Many days she does this. The Apostle Paul was very patient with her. So think about this. If she followed them around for many days, how many times did she hear the gospel? How many times did they try to reach out to her? You know, it had to be a lot, Right? But the thing I want you to see in her, and the thing I want to pull back the curtain for you a little bit, the thing I want you to think about is that the devil masquerades as helpful. The demons masquerade as helpful, the occult masquerades as helpful. His name is the accuser. He's also the deceiver. The father of lies. And he's very crafty. He's been doing it a long time. But the devil masquerades as helpful. Think about the garden. Think about the fall of mankind into sin. The garden. Genesis 3. How did he, how did he come at Eve and through Eve Adam? God's withholding something you need. And really, if you have this thing God's withholding from you, it will help you. You can make your own decisions then. You can be your own God. And you can be like God. Just follow me. I'll make it easy. Well, God makes it hard on you. But I'll make it easy for you. Can you hear the hissing? And the evil question, did God really say... But see how he presented himself? Listen, I'm the one trying to help you here. God's not in it for your best, but I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to set you free. I'm trying to empower you. If you'll just listen to me. See, behind the scenes, the evil one's always working for our destruction. But face to face, He presents himself as helpful, what we need. I'll just give you, I'll give you whatever you want. Think about, I mean, if he's bold enough to come at Jesus, dude, you're hungry. You're the Son of God. You can turn these stones into bread, you can fly. Just worship me, and I'll give all this to you without the cross. How about our own temptation? You, you can't say, I don't know anything about that. You're not paying attention if you don't know anything about that. Sin always presents itself as helpful. Doesn't it? As a shortcut. As something that will ease your pain or your suffering or your struggle. You know, Forget about God. He's not in it for your best. Listen, I mean, you know that's all silly anyway. Right? The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. But just here. Have it all. You can have it all. This will help you. God's just trying to limit your fun. He's trying to spoil your life. Now, He doesn't come at it that way, but that's the implication, right? If you'll just come over here. Yeah, forget about all that word stuff. I know it says this is bad, but this is really not bad this will help you see the devil masquerades the demons masquerade sin masquerades as helpful as something we need as something that will be beneficial and the occult will present itself as helpful listen if 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 you're ever tempted to say or anything anybody's ever tempted to tell you that christianity doesn't work I tried it. It didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work because you sought to bring Christ into your plan. Into what you wanted to do. To bless you. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't pay off for what you wanted it to pay off for. But Christianity worked because Christ is risen from the dead. And He has died to pay the penalty for the sins of His people. And He is reigning now. And He is with us. And greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. But the occult always presents itself as helpful. In the ancient world, magic and oracles were used to protect us from misfortune, right? Protect people from misfortune. To attack an enemy or to win others over. You've heard of love potions, right? To seek hidden information or the future. Just like this girl. She's following them around. Not saying don't listen to them. But she's basically saying listen to them. They're going to tell you how to be saved. And listen. The devil hasn't given up and waved the white flag. And just surrendered and said believe the gospel. But it appears that she's being helpful. And if you just look at it. Whatever the temptation is or whatever the occult presentation is, it is, a, it, is a, it is masquerading as wooing you, it's calling you and promising to be helpful. To help you with your, your, your sickness or your, your enemy or, or the person that won't love you that you want or to just give you some more information about the future that God's withheld. It always masquerades as helpful like she's doing here. She is demon possessed and she is doing this. I want you to know how the evil one comes at you. How the world comes at you. How the flesh comes at you. First point. The occult pretends to be helpful. Second point. The occult is to be rejected in all of its forms. It's spiritual arsenic. It is not okay. It is not good. It's not to be played with. Notice what Paul does. This she kept doing for many days, verse 18. Paul having become greatly annoyed. Notice that. She's saying, follow them, listen to them. And he's like, I've had enough of this. He knows what's going on. He knows what the evil one's trying to do. Think about it. At the very least, the people in that place, they all knew who this woman was. They all knew what she did. And now they see a partnership between her and Paul in the gospel. So there's an association happening here. There's at least an an outward seeming partnership between Paul and the gospel and this fortune teller. And like I say, they'd been patient She's heard the gospel. They probably tried to reach out to her. And he's just had enough because he will not have any partnership with evil. And in 18 he says, And she kept doing for many days, Paul having become greatly annoyed. Not just annoyed. Turned and said, not to her, to the Spirit. Watch this. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. No big ritual. No waving any cross or throwing any water. No Latin involved at all. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Bang! And it came out that very hour. And don't we wish we had more information on what happened to her after that? We hope the best. We think the best. We're just not given anything else because that's not the main point. One thing we do know is that Paul and Silas are going to be lied about and thrown into prison because of that very encounter. Casting that demon out and costing those people profit. But to see, that's God's sovereign hand at work taking them into the prison. Why? So they can witness in the prison and others can hear the gospel and the jailer and his family and on we go will be converted but Corey's going to tell you about the prison part but I want to show just as Paul would have no partnership with this this demon-possessed woman just as he would no longer allow her to keep doing what she was doing just as he commanded saw the evil spirit recognized what was involved and cast it out in the name of Jesus Rejecting any partnership with the occult, any participation in the occult, that is in accord with the teaching of God's word, and that's why from this occurrence, see, this is not a sermon on how you can cast out a demon. If that's you come in the wrong place. But, right? This is about what's bigger and what's really going on. Cast it out. Acts of an apostle. Done with that. Rejecting all partnership with evil rejecting the occult or the ways of Satan or the power of Satan in all of its forms. He rejects it. And let me just give you a glimpse. And this is just a glimpse of what God's Word says about the things like what she was doing. You know, you have a lot of things going on. I mean, I think there's more Wiccans today than there are Reformed Presbyterians. I think I heard that stat. Right? It's growing among young people. They're seeking power. They're seeking something that's real. Witchcraft is a growing thing. Right? As the culture slides, you have to expect things like this. But you need to see what the Word of God says about it. Is casting a spell innocent? Is a horoscope? Is a fortune telling? Is, you know, non-gospel philosophy? Is it okay? Look at at Deuteronomy 18. And it will be on the slide. You can turn there if you want to. You can go back and consider this, it's it's the fifth book in your Bible, it's the second giving of the law. They're about to go into the land after the former generation has died off because they were unfaithful to God. So Moses is once again going over the law with them, once again teaching them, preparing this new generation to go into the land and to take the land. And God has been very patient with the people in the land, but they persist in their sin. His word said He's given them time, time to repent. They they've refused to repent, and they are involved in very wicked practices to the point of sacrificing their children and building them into the foundation of their house because they think it will please their God and make things go well with them. This is not an innocent people. This is a sinful people that is coming under God's judgment, and Israel is just His instrument judgment he's the king of the nations all authority in heaven and earth anyway but before they go into the land they're warned about the practices of the people in the land They're, they're told what the people in the land are doing and why those people are being cast out and israel is warned not to participate in the sins of the people of the land now watch this in 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 deuteronomy 18 verse 9 and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, I'm just basically read it for you and make a few comments. But it says this when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. We would all agree that how heinous that is, following Moloch and all the other false gods. But watch what he lumps in with it: anyone who practices divination. Uh-oh, just hit our text, didn't he? Or tells fortunes, or interprets omens, or a sorcerer. There's your magic, casting spells, all of that. Or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead. There's your seances and all that. For whoever does these things is just worshiping in the way he thinks best. Is that what it says? Wake up. Whoever Notice this is not talking about the sin. Watch this. Whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. Listen, you, might, you hear the thing where God loves the sinner and hates the sin. That won't just that won't jive with Scripture. Read Psalm five. Read Psalm seven. Read Psalm eleven. Read other places. Whoever does these things is an abomination. And but now watch this. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. Judgment. Wicked people being removed. Picturing the last days judgment when everybody will be removed. We'll have a new heavens and new earth, and righteousness will dwell there. But look at this. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. And listen, before you say, I know, but that's Old Testament. Well, we're dealing in the New Testament with our text. And if anything was ever an abomination to God, it still is. If anything was ever morally repugnant to God, it still is. Fortune telling. I mean, listen, you can't down, ride down the road in, 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 in any, any sort of a major city without seeing the little hand on the sign or something and come in. Fortune telling, magic, you know, interpreting omens, looking at your palm, looking at tea leaves, looking at guts of animals. I mean, it gets nasty. Communicating with the dead. Let me ask you a question. Why would God forbid all of those things? Why would He forbid those things? Is He trying to spoil our fun? Is He just withholding things that are from us that would help us? He's protecting us. All of that is bringing you into contact with the evil one. Darkness. And he says, none of that. There should be none of that among you. This is so serious that these people are being judged and removed from the land. Many will be killed. Because of their involvement in the cult. Because of their rejection of the true and living God. Because of their following after the ways of darkness. All of those things and everything associated with it is to be rejected, not participated in. Heard a story one time. You remember Dion Warwick's Psychic Network? The psychics fall into this same ball of dark wax. <laughs> but Dion Warwick's all over TV, and you call into the psychic hotline, and they'll tell you some stuff about yourself and whoa, and they'll tell you some things about your future and tell you what to do. Well, they went bankrupt. Old black preacher said, there ain't no power in it. He said, ain't no power in it. The whole place went bankrupt. Ain't never one of them saw it coming. (laughs) But there is power in it. It's just dark power. It's satanic power. It's evil spirit power. Listen, you may be, especially young folks, you may be dabbling in some of this. Does that mean God's going to kill me? No, but it does mean He's calling you to repent of it. He's pulling the cover off of it. How many of us think it's innocent to read our horoscope? Come on, I'm going there. No more innocent than dabbling in pornography or anything like that. See, we don't see it that way, do we? But God's Word, look at this. Fortune tellers, divinators, if you want to be Southern about it. One to interpret out with sorcerers, casting spells, all of this stuff. I know some of your favorite cartoons. The occult is to be rejected. God says that it's an abomination. Paul is rejecting all association with it. Look at this. New prophet. I'll just give you this quickly. I love this in Deuteronomy 18 where it talks about all the sins of of the people there and there to be rejected and not to seek hidden information in those ways. But then he points us to Jesus. Look at this in Deuteronomy 18, 15. The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses says. And we know that's Jesus' New Testament tells us so. The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. And it is to him, not to the occult, not to all these other but It is to him you are to listen. Just as you desired of the Lord God at Horeb on the day of assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord, Or my God, or see this great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. Verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, from Israel, Jesus, the true and living Son of God. And I will put my words in His mouth and He shall speak to them all that I command. And whoever will not listen to my words that He shall speak, I will require it of Him. Everything you need to know is in my word. And I'm going to complete that through my son that I'm going to bring. And it is to him you're to listen and reject all forms of the occult and darkness. Sadly, Israel did not listen. They commingled with the people in the land. They adopted their practices. They delved into that sin and they end up being judged themselves and exiled from the land. But God still brought about his son and the salvation that he would bring. But it is serious. This is serious stuff. Leviticus twenty twenty seven: A man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. Shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be the, upon them or their own fault. Occult participation. Death penalty in Israel. Now listen. None of us are telling you to go out and stone the, the fortune teller down the street. We want to reach them with the gospel. But we don't reach them by going in and participating in that. It was the it was death penalty. Listen, we are never to seek revelation, power, help from any other than the true God. And in, only in His way outlined in the scripture. Convicts me, I'll let you have some of my conviction if you want it. But if I'm unsettled about the future it reveals a problem in the present. Not in the future. If I can't trust God with the future, it means I'm not trusting Him now. If I think I need more than He has given, that's unbelief. People seek this stuff because they think they need to know more. Man, our curiosity is strong, isn't it? And if I just know what's going to happen, I know how to deal with it. No, you won't. But that's not really the question. The question is not, is it profitable? The question is not, does it work? The question is, does it honor God? Is it God's way? Is it the way He's commanded us to go? Because I'm telling you, if you go at the occult with the question, does it work? Many times you'll come into contact with people who are real in the sense that they're really associated with evil spirits who will tell you things that you didn't tell them and it'll freak you out. They'll tell you about your future and they'll tie you into themselves promising to be helpful all the way you're running deeper and deeper into darkness. If God hasn't given it to us, we don't need it. Now, he hasn't told us that. Every bit of knowledge, right? But he's told us in his word, either directly addressing all of life or principles that will help us deal with all of life. And he has certainly been clear about the occult. No participation. No dabbling. No playing with. If I'm unsettled about the future, I'm not trusting him in the present. See, we think we need more information about the future so that we can trust him with the future. No, we look back to trust him, not ahead. We look back to Jesus, to his life, death, burial and resurrection. If God will do that for me, if he's given me faith in Jesus, he's promised me that he's got me, he's with me, he's for me. I I don't have to know everything. I can trust him. Now, I don't always. Right? We, we, We deal with worry, don't we? We have to repent of that. But he, if I trust Him in the present, I know that He holds the future. And listen, knowing Him is enough. Knowing Him is enough. If you struggle with that, one of my favorite places to go is the second half of Matthew 6. Dwell there. Meditate there. Ruminate there. Seek you first the kingdom of God and everything else you need will be applied to you. God doesn't tell us what's coming. He just tells us who's going with us. Him. And having Him, I have enough. So when I'm worried about the future, I realize I'm not trusting Him in the present. And I tr- through His word to repent of my unbelief. Secondly, we're to be satisfied in Jesus? This is an implication, but we have everything we need in Jesus. I'll just give you one passage. Now listen to this passage. it'll be up. Second Peter 1, "His word is all of the revelation. It's all of that that we need to know. Again, I'm not saying you don't need to study nuclear and all the things. But this is all of the direct revelation from God or from spiritual revelation that we need. The secret things belong to God. Deuteronomy 29, 29. But the things that are revealed belong to us and our children. Look what it says. Verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of the future. Y'all not reading with me. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted us His precious promises, His very great promises so that through them you have become partakers of the divine nature escaping evil lust, escaping the world and its sin. What we need is a knowledge of Him and we get the knowledge of Him through His promises, which is His Word. Everything that pertains to life and godliness I find here. The sufficiency of Scripture is here. Either directly addressed or principles applied. All of the revelation from God that I need is here. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in Him. And we know Him through knowing His precious and great promises. Peter said having His Word is better than being there and witnessing Jesus. And the Mount of Transfiguration and His resurrection and all that. Us having His Word is a better situation than that. Prayer is the only connection we need to true power. See, magic seeks to coerce the gods. To get God to line up with my plan. To just do it in a certain way. That's why all the health and wealth stuff, I talk against that, right? A lot of ways for you to box God in and get what you want. God, you got to do it for me because i got 43 people praying for me. Or you take God's Word out of context and all these various things that... But magic is a way to coerce the gods to get them to do what you want them to do. Prayer is meant to petition God and submit to His will. Petition God and submit to His will. Jesus did that. See, not my will but yours be done is not a faithless prayer. My Savior prayed that way. And I'll quit pretty much with this, but... You know, one of the works of the flesh that Paul says people who practice won't be in the kingdom of God, won't don't have salvation, aren't right with God, is sorcery or magic, casting spells and everything that goes along with it. But Galatians five, nineteen to twenty one. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality in all its forms, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, look, jealousy. Look at all these things in this list together. Fits of anger. Rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warned you and I warned you before. I warn you now that those who do or practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sorcery is on the list, which is magic. Man, listed with jealousy and fits of anger. If that's what characterizes me, I need to think. So, a little bit of application, we're done. Never seek, number one, never seek knowledge of the future or power over circumstances outside of Jesus. And Jesus has clearly told us, the occult is not in me, not my way. Never seek knowledge of the future or power over circumstances outside of Jesus. Never. If God hasn't given it, you don't need it. That's how we have to train ourselves. We don't need more than He has given us in His Son and in His Word by His Spirit. Number two, cut all ties with the occult. Maybe, maybe you know some people that are doing this and maybe you're involved in it yourself. You don't participate in sin to reach sinners. Cut all ties with the occult. People, web, books, Twitter, whatever. No partnership with darkness, with the occult. It is never helpful in the long run. It is never helpful to disobey God. It is never helpful to dishonor God. It is never helpful to not believe God. It may seem to pay off in the short run. Just like, you know, the scripture is real. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but the end thereof is death. It's never beneficial to go against God and His Word. And the believers in Ephesus, when they came to faith, they realized that, and we'll get there. But it says in 1919, about the new believers in Ephesus, it says a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. They disassociated. And the last thing I want to mention to you is find your satisfaction in Jesus. If the Lord is our delight, then we know we have everything we need in Him. And we seek his, at His throne of grace the mercy and help that we need in our time of need. Find your satisfaction in Jesus who is proved to be the Son of God. God and man who lived for His people in fulfillment to His own law and fulfilled it in jot and tittle, thought, word and deed, who died to pay the penalty for His people's sins and who was raised the third day proving it's all true. That's the capstone proof that God gives. And on the basis of the fact that He gave His Son, He commands you to repent and trust in His Son The only Savior. Find your satisfaction in Jesus. Man, what is more satisfying than knowing that all of the judgment I deserve, He took. And all of the righteousness that I can't do and attain, He attained and gives to me. Not because I'm good enough, but as a free gift because He bought it all. You can have forgiveness for every one of your sins. Deliverance from the power, the teeth, the the horror of death. Deliverance from condemnation, knowing that you're right with God, looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. You'd be able to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and that is a much better state, Paul said. Are you satisfied with Jesus or do you think you need more? If you think you need more, you are in error and on dangerous ground. And as it relates to our text and the fortune telling girl, I warn you again. Flee from the evil works of darkness. Run to the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust and rest in Him. Hope in Him for eternal life. Believe His Word and be in His Word so that you know the truth and recognize the danger when you see it. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all working out our salvation in Jesus and applying it by the Spirit through the Word. Find your satisfaction in Jesus. Be able to say with Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want to finish Sarah's story. And you're like, you better finish that story. She She attempted suicide twice and failed both times. One time she said that she got in the car and I don't know how she did. She didn't say ran a hose into the car or whatever, but she got in the car to to commit suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning. When she came to, she was outside of the car catching her breath with nobody around. She has no idea how she got out of that car. But having failed at suicide twice, she decided that college, I mean, college is the way to go for the new life she wants. So she enrolled in college. And guess what our sovereign God did? He put her in a dorm room with two believers. Bible carrying, Jesus loving, gospel excited believers. And she said, I thought those were some of the weirdest people I've ever seen. And they would have inter-varsity Bible studies in their dorm room. And she would leave. But they're, they're, they're serving her. They're trying to witness to her. They're trying to get her to come to the meetings. They're praying for her. And she said, one time I decided I would stay. Not act like I'm involved, but I would just stay and act like I was studying while they did their thing. Long story short, she ends up accepting an invitation from one of them to go to an inter meeting where she hears the gospel, is convicted of her sin, and turns and trusts in Jesus. She completely cut all ties with witchcraft. And she'll tell you, there's no white witch and black witch. They're all just darkness and deception. She completely cut all ties. She's, she was voraciously... Thirsty for the Word. A lot of challenges in her life. But God had put Christians around her to help her. And she she has now a passion for youth that they might come to really know Jesus, to reject all the ways of darkness and trust and rest in Him. So Sarah's story is a story of grace. It's like there's grace for us as we have pursued sin. We can repent and turn to God and know that He is a forgiving God because His Son... Has paid for that forgiveness. Sarah was saved. You can be too. And you may be. For those of us who know Jesus. Disassociate. With all forms of darkness. For those of us who don't know Jesus. Repent. Disassociate. Trust. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He will save you. He will forgive you. Of all of your sin. Clothe you in His righteousness. Make you a child of God. Give you hope that lasts. Not just for this life. But for the life to come. Trust and rest in Jesus. Like Sarah. Like I hope the girl in Acts chapter 16 did. I'd love to have more information on that. But turn and rest and trust. And be satisfied in your Savior. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Father, we praise You and thank You for Your Word. We pray that You would help us to see the darkness for what it is in every form that it is. To never be presuming on Your grace and running into sin. To never be flippant about evil. Uh, To never be driven or scared of it either. But, But just to be willing to repent of all sin. And trust and rest in You. Set us free. From the schemes of the devil. Thank you that he who is in us is greater. Than he who is in the world. That the very son of God dwells in our hearts. Through faith by his spirit. And Lord for those of them who don't know you. I pray that you would bring them to faith. Either those in this room or listening over the internet. That you would work faith and repentance in their hearts. God have mercy on us. And help us to see all of life through Jesus, through Your Word, seeking to honor and live for You, and rejecting all forms of evil out of love for You. Help us, Lord, to trust You. Help us to rest in You. Help us to be satisfied in You, and be glorified in our lives. And help us to be sharing the gospel through which others can be set free. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.